Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livius Nedden. And I'm Rob Olson. This will be the last episode of 2020, so we'll probably talk a little bit about that. It's been a long year of, of really, really good content, but uh, we're going to be reviewing a book tonight. And that book is called The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. I'm going to shoot you a little bio really quick about Matt. Um, he is a British author. For children and adults, his memoir, Reasons to Stay Alive, was a number one bestseller, staying in the British top 10 for 46 weeks. His children's book, A Boy Called Christmas, was a runaway hit in his own country and is translated into over 25 languages. It is being made into a film by Studio Canal, and The Guardian called it an instant classic. Neil Gaiman said of his writing, Haig has an empathy for the human condition the light and dark of it, and he uses the full palette to build his excellent stories. His novels for adults include the award-winning The Radleys and The Humans. All right, one of the reasons that we're reviewing this book in particular, even though it's a little, <clears throat> for us, it's a little dated. We try to stay a little um, closer to release date. This is three months out, I think, now. Right. <clears throat> but we were kind of thinking of doing what we did uh, last year. Was it last year or was it two years ago? We tried to figure out what the best book of the year was and see if it is the best book of the year. So this is the uh, Goodreads uh, Choice Award, won the Goodreads Choice Award for Fiction. It's a Good Morning America book club pick. It's a New York Times bestseller. And we wanted to test this theory out. Can we really find the best book by listening to, <laughs> you know, one of these sources? Um, you'll hear uh, where where we landed on that uh, a little bit later in the episode. Um, but Rob, there's something you wanted to touch on first, I believe. Yeah, this is just something that um, uh, it, it's it it's not going to be really much of our conversation at all. But our discussion will include the topic of suicide. So if that is something that is uh, something you don't want to hear, something that is sensitive for you, um, obviously we just want you to be prepared for that before you go on listening. Um, it, it is a small part of the conversation, but it does come up toward the beginning of the book. It kind of sets the, 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 the stage. Um, so if that is something that um, you are just not prepared to hear someone talk about, um, be warned that we will be talking about that a little bit. All right. And with that, here is the synopsis. Somewhere out beyond the edge of the universe, there is a library that contains an infinite number of books, each one the story of another reality. One tells the story of your life as it is, along with another book for the other life you could have lived if you had made a different choice at any point in your life. While we all wonder how our lives might have been, what if you had the chance to go to the library and see for yourself? Would any of these other lives truly be better? In the Midnight Library, Matt Haig's enchanting new novel, Nora Seed finds herself faced with this decision— Faced with the possibility of changing her life for a new one, following a different career, undoing old breakups, realizing her dreams of becoming a glaciologist, she must search within herself as she travels through the Midnight Library to decide what is truly fulfilling in life and what makes it worth living in the first place. Yeah. Um, I, I guess from a person who had... I did not read the synopsis before. Did I? I don't think I read the synopsis before I read the book. Um, this is the type of synopsis that will get you to want to read the book, but like it is definitely taking some liberties with the actual facts of what happens in the story. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I would imagine. So now I will tell you, I did read the synopsis. Um, 
and, you know, I looked it up on Amazon. We were deciding to read this. And my first thought was, and I'm, I'm not saying this to be a spoiler, right? But after reading that synopsis, let, let's try to erase the fact that you read the book. I think you probably come to the same conclusion that I would around how this book is going to end, right? That this is the it's a wonderful life, right? type you know like at the end you know that things were actually better for george bailey by being around and that's not exactly the situation in this (laughs) book but it's hard i i I, let me just say that i would be very impressed if someone found a way to not do exactly that to point out that the life you have is is the best life regardless of what you think you're missing out on yeah yeah i'm gonna agree um and and that actually, the mechanics of of how that, and we I don't think we're going to do a spoiler talk on this, but like this is something spoilerly that I won't go into. But the mechanics of how like that came about was probably what I thought was the most, like the best part of the book. But anyway, we are getting way ahead of ahead of things <laughs> if we're going to talk about that right now. <laughs> so um, we'll just kick off with how the book starts, and it starts with um, a young Nora. Uh, she is at the library and um, she's uh, talking to a librarian named Mrs. Elm, who is like her favorite like librarian. She's just this great, great woman in her life and she feels very positive about her. And in the middle of what's going on, a phone call comes through to the library. Mrs. Elm answers the phone and um, without saying it, you basically discover that Mrs. Elm has to break the news to Nora at the age of like 14, I believe that her father has died. So that is kind of like the the prelude. I don't think it was the first chapter. I think it was a prelude. Um, but after that, the book goes into uh, Nora as an adult, and her life is not necessarily um, in a super positive place. Yeah, I mean, I feel like her life is, um, I mean, it's very average. And when I say average, yeah. I mean, you know, not everything's great. Um, you know, she's not living her dream. Most of us probably not living our dream. Not me and Rob, of course, because we get to do this. But the rest of you probably not living your dream. You know, she's uh, she's having some uh, some money issues. Uh, she she loses her job. Um, you know, a variety of small things like that. She was engaged, but the engagement broke off. And to go back a little bit into her youth, there were a number of things um, that that she had interests in or or, or proficiency in enough that it could have been the path her life took. So I'll I'll take a moment and cover a few of them. Uh, At one point, she won, um, uh, uh, and I don't remember, it was like a region-wide, a couple of region-wide swimming competitions. So there was talk Mm -hmm. that if she stuck with swimming, she could be an Olympic swimmer. Um, she became a, a fairly pro- proficient musician and at one point was even in a band um, with her brother, who we may talk about later, brother Joe. Um, there's talk and it's in the it's in the synopsis about her being a glaciologist because she's very into the environment. And that's one of the suggestions Miss Elm, the librarian, actually makes to her. And here she is in her mid 30s and she works part time at a at a music um, store like a that sells like music instruments. Um, and does a little bit of tutoring uh, as one student that she tutors on piano playing via keyboard in her apartment. Uh, she has a cat, which is always a bad sign if you're a, a woman in, in, in her 30s. Um, and, and things generally 
aren't going very well. As I mentioned, she kind of uh, she loses her job. She actually, through a, a series of events, loses her um, her one student, her one piano student, um, and then her cat dies. Yeah, so things are not looking good, and um, she also a couple other things that are significant. Um, she was helping her neighbor by picking up the like their medication or something, and like that person no longer needed her help. And then she bumped into one of her former bandmates who was really bitter about the band breaking up. Um, so it's just like one day full of just like hit after hit of just bad thing happening um, leads her to the decision that no one needs her and that she's miserable. So, and this is where the suicide discussion is going to happen. She decides to end her life. So she takes a bunch of whatever and, um, she ends it. She, she, you know, she decides to kill herself. And, um, that's where we're kind of transported into the story that we'll probably be spending the most time on is, um, she doesn't, the thing that happens after her choosing to die is, is the story that we told you in the synopsis. So she arrives at this weird, uh, uh like unfamiliar building uh, and she goes in and she is in, she encounters Mrs. Elm who, who explains to her kind of what's going on. And, uh, this is what's going on. It is uh, the reason it's called the, the midnight library is it is perpetually midnight there, but, uh, some people for some reasons, um, get to explore other paths in life, but through a dynamic that's um, that's kind of interesting. Um, it's only through a dynamic of regrets. So it's not like, oh, I wonder, okay, I'd like to explore the life where back in the 80s, I, uh, I, I ripped off a bunch of other people's software and made some software, and now I'm like the second richest man in the world. Not like that. Um, but Nora, for example, as I mentioned, um, had, a, had a very promising uh, swimming career ahead of her. But it, uh, at a certain point, she decided she just didn't want to kind of didn't want to put the work in anymore, essentially. So she gave up on swimming um, as a sport. Um, so at times in her life, she regrets giving up swimming. So she gets to see what her life would be like if she had not given up swimming in that particular time frame when she was a teenager. Uh, but the dynamic works also in a very confusing way for Nora, not so much for us, but uh, the way this works is she is transported to that exact moment, midnight on on the day of this event, um, but with no recollection of what happened. So, she, you know, like, she, how do I say this? She knows she was a great swimmer in high school, and she knows why she gave it up, and she has all the memories of her current life, so the, that she gave up swimming and went on to do these other things. In that life, she wakes up and she is the Nora that's in the library. So she doesn't remember. She has to figure out that she won, you know, gold medals for swimming and now is a motivational speaker or whatever. Like she has to suss these things out herself um, w without any any help of the knowledge that these things have ha have happened to her. I don't know if I did a better job explaining <laughs> that than how confusing it was for Nora, but. No, that's uh, that's good. Um, so it it plays on like the science that it alludes to is or alludes to it directly kind of refers to is like the idea of multiple universes and the fact that like every time you make a decision, a universe exists for whatever 
different options of that decision were. So like, um, you know, if I choose to eat a sandwich or choose not to, there's two universes, one in which I eat the sandwich, one I don't. Um, so that being the case, there are an infinite number of, of lives basically that she could choose to jump into, um, depending on what, uh, what she wants to do. But because it's decision based, that's where the thing that Livius mentioned, mentioned is, is the regrets comes up. So, uh, basically she's going through a series of, Oh man, I wish this was different. Like I wish I had done this differently type of decisions and, and experiencing different lifetimes, um, based on that. But yeah, like it's, it, I think one of the more interesting, um, things to read was her kind of getting herself up to speed on, um, Oh, <laughs> it kind of reminded I was explaining this to somebody and they said oh so it's like quantum leap and um I, I'm like oh yeah it kind of makes sense because yeah. Scott Bakula would just jump into someone else's life and mm-hmm. like have to figure out what was going on and why and then figure out why he was there to get to a res- resolution um so this is kind of the similar thing where she's like oh man um I want to go to the 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 lifetime where um I was a successful swimmer, like Livia said, and then she would just show up, but then have to figure out what the hell is going on. So that was kind of the more interesting part of it because she had to kind of research who she was and what was going on. Um, so that, that played an interesting part of like the, the, like it, we could play along with, cause we were all kind of dumb about what was happening. So we got to be with her as she discovered what was happening. I thought that was a pretty decent part of, of, the way that the story was told. Yeah. So I, I actually liked the detective work on yes, her part to yeah. figure these things out. I, that was probably my, my favorite part of the book. Um, so she can continue on these, in these lives for, for minutes, hours, days, weeks. But at some point, if she regrets that decision again, she's returned to the midnight library. Um, which is interesting, by the way. I just want to mention that this was the number one book in the time travel section um, on Amazon when when I oh, uh, really? when I looked at it. Yeah, <laughs> which I found a little odd because I believe this is the exact opposite of time travel. Yeah, I, I feel like it's it's <laughs> there's zero time it's, is traveled. Yeah, it's it's midnight on 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 the day every single time. <laughs> so I don't. Yeah, there's there's actually no time travel involved. Um, but yeah, so that's, and then, and then she, she gets to explore other regrets, um, that, that she has. And I, I mean, I don't think we're going to go into a bunch of them are, I mean, from the synopsis and, and from some of the things that, you know, I, I maybe said about her youth, you, you can kind of figure out what these things, um, what some of these things would be. And then obviously, um, if you know the, the dynamics of how it works, the mechanics of it, you'll understand that, uh, a lot of these lives, um, do not turn out to be all that great, um, you know, th- through her eyes. Yep. Um, so that's the the pattern that begins to form as we, because essentially the structure of the book is um, she gets to the library. Um, Mrs. Elm explains how the library works. Like basically like you choose the life that you want to see. You get to explore that life, but the goal, the actual like the goal of the reason that you're at this library and that you have the opportunity to experience these other lives is you're trying to find the perfect life 
So basically, if you find a life that you have zero regrets for, um, you will just continue being in that life and you'll forget you were ever at the library. It's kind of like what is explained to her. So she's touring all these lives looking for the one that she was supposed to be in. Um, and that's that's the goal. Um, so uh, the nice thing is we get to see some that are, are very obviously not lives she wants to be in and some that are, are a little bit harder for her to want to give up. Um, but, but the, that's, that's the, that's the trajectory she's on, um, as she starts kind of experiencing these different lives. Um, the one other thing that I liked about the book and this way of exploring things is that it's not just her life. So decisions she made has impacted other people around her too. And in some cases, you know, again, without trying to be too spoilery, a life becomes far less, um, um, desirable because of things that happened to other people because she was in this life. And but, that, that <laughs> I thought was, well, it would have been really easy, I yep. think for the author to, to, you know, to shortcut it and say, all right, <clears throat> everything's the same. Like, okay, well you didn't, you didn't, you weren't dating that guy because this happened, but no big deal. Like that guy just went on to do whatever. Right. But there are um, impacts because of her decisions on those around her. Um, sometimes good, sometimes not so good. So. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if this is the right time to talk about it, but like that makes me think about, so like it's easy to apply this formula to your own life and to decide like how things would be different for yourself. That's kind of like the easy thing to look at, but like how would they be different for other people? So if, if we had never established this podcast nine and a half years ago, how would other people's lives be different? Like, I know that through the course of talking to people and networking with people, we have brought people together that would otherwise not know each other. So whether that's a good or a bad thing, you know, who's to say, but even like, so there are always, I guess the thing that I'm getting at is, um, that is my way of thinking about the decisions that I make to do the things that I do impact people's lives in a way that I can't imagine. And I think that's definitely something that is like pretty well explored, uh, like Livius was saying before. Yep. So um, this goes on um, on repeat, uh, basically until there's a resolution at the end of the book. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's that's fair. <laughs> like, so, and, and again, I don't even feel like that's spoilery. I think that if you if you sat down just with the synopsis and then had a little bit of understanding of the mechanics, you'd be like, oh, okay, I see how this is going to go, and and it goes. With with a couple of surprises, I will say there were a couple of things where I was like, "Oh, okay," and I don't want to talk about them here because they're spoilery. But um, I thought, "Oh, okay, that's kind of clever." Um, I do have one thing that I want to um, point out, and and I'll say, and if you think this is too spoilery, just remove the section. But um, we get a a really solid look at, at a number of these lives, but then it's made clear that there have been many others that are all kind of like summed up in, in like one chapter. But with the exception of one of them, it, it, this is, this is what I, I, I guess this is what bothered me a little bit with the exception of maybe one of them. She was wildly successful at anything she tried. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Without saying too much, am I right, though? Just just take a second and think about what you know about this book, with the exception of the first one, basically. So, I, I, yes, I see what you're saying. Um, I will say that 
that wasn't the thing that was conspicuous to me. Uh, what was conspicuous was that there were so many things that she had the potential to be awesome at. Um, like she was like a musician and a swimmer and like interested in like glaciology and stuff like that. There was mm-hmm. all these setups for, her, um, and I was like, wow, like when I was that age, when I was 14, I was great at like reading books and masturbating. So, yeah. well, and look, you went on to do one of those, at least one of those on a regular basis. <laughs> Yeah, I could stand to I could stand to read more books, but uh, <laughs> so that was the <laughs> that was the conspicuous thing to me was that there was so like there was like uh, like a surprising amount of potential like really good outcomes, um, but uh, that I think that that is like that goes hand in hand with the thing that that you didn't care for. Yeah, yeah, I, I yes, it's like the opposite side of that coin. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then I, I think what I would have liked out of this plot a little better and, and listen, the plot's ridiculous as is. So if I'm adding more ridiculous stuff to it, I don't think that, you know, it's, it's really pushing the envelope. I almost would have wanted, would have wanted to see this as like a genie type thing. Like you only get three chances. Oh yeah. Versus yeah. you, you get essentially an unlimited number of chances to, to get this right. I, I think that would have put a little more pressure on the, on the protagonist and, and, and then, you know, through her on us to kind of interpret what she's seeing and the decisions she's making. Um, and, and when I say decisions, it's not really decisions. Um, she doesn't, she can't, she can't really just decide to go back to the library. Like something in her has to, to, to break, so to speak. Like she has to experience something that puts her in that position of having a lot of regret. Yeah. So again, I thought that would, that was, that was done. Okay. But yeah, overall I think it was too sprawling and I think there was probably a better way to handle this. Yeah. Um, uh, there wasn't stakes really. Um, in the way that you would want, like if you said like the genie three wishes thing, like there would be stakes and like, there would be more of a impetus to like do the best you can. But the way it was presented to her was like, yeah, just keep doing it. So you find the right thing. So, um, I kind of got, I agree with that. Um, the thing that another thing is one of the themes of this, book that is introduced early on so i don't believe that this is is spoilery is the idea of overcoming regrets like she is told at the very beginning of joining or going to the library that like there is a book of regrets that you can look through and it's a pretty awful experience because you're basically like bombarded with all the the things that you feel worse about in life but um uh you know apparently as she has gone through some of these experiences like those regrets regrets uh kind of fade away. And so, um, with, I, I can't really talk too much about it, but like the, the fact that you can go through a life and erase a regret from your book of regrets early on basically says like, um, it kind of tells you everything you need to know in a way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, that's what I said. I, I, I found the end to be predictable from like, the tenth page, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's not. Uh, yeah, and I was thinking of, uh, uh, like, I was thinking about how hard I was on anxious people, 
um, mm-hmm. as far as like it not being a challenging book. Like it kind of just laid mm-hmm. everything out. And I and and I was I thought of an analogy. So I'm the type of person who wants a book to be a puzzle, and there are some people who want a book to be a paint by numbers. Or like they tell you what to do to see the picture, or as like you have to figure out how the pieces fit together to see the picture. And mm-hmm. this is absolutely a paint by numbers, and it's not a puzzle. But you know what? Some people like a paint by numbers, and and so that's definitely the type of book that this is. I like that analogy a lot, and I agree with you um, uh, about this book. Uh, and and look, I've read books that were predictable. Like okay, if you read any, I don't want to say any. If you read most books that are in a series you wind up kind of with the same, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. you know, at the end, the protagonist is going to be okay. Cause there's at least three more books at right. the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> there <laughs> you are know, things you, know you can count I mean? on. Yeah. I mean, there's some of my favorite book series, you know, I, the, the Andrew Vax uh, books, you know, it's, it, they were, they were detective books and you know what happens in a detective book? The detective in the end figures out the mystery and then goes on to do another mystery. And like, that's okay. Um, in this type of book. Yeah. I would have liked to, to see, um, you know, maybe maybe a few surprises, but ultimately, the message of the book is really good, right? So that's mm-hmm. that's a um, it, it's it's um it's like the literary version of when you find people telling you, listen, stop looking at other people's lives on Instagram, you know, with envy because all you're seeing is the shiny spots. You know what I mean? And and that's yes. kind of what this yeah. book is, right? Like it, only you're looking at yourself and thinking, well, what if I would have pursued my, you know, whatever, my glaciologist career? Or what if I would have um, stayed with this fella um, in, in this book, uh, Dan, um, who comes up in, you know, in all the stories in, in one way or another, right? But it, it, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, look, look at what you have. Look at the good things in your life like capitalize on the good things in life on the things that make you feel good and you're going to wind up with a better life perhaps a better life than the one in which you become a world-class book reviewer right so that's <laughs> that's you know and, and as a message I, I i really um i really like that and i like the way that that message was delivered the problem is i don't read a book for a message i read a book for a great story and i don't think this was that yeah and and it goes it goes into the whole like idea of like not worrying about the things you can't control because absent a midnight library you can't change whether you became like an olympian swimmer or whatever um so like when when the focus shifts from like hey what did i do wrong to like what do I have control of? I think that's kind of like one of the things about this book, which is a good idea. Um, and it just took, it took a, a very magical realism approach to talking about um, all the things Livia's just said, but also kind of the idea of like, Hey, worry about the things that you can control, not the things that you, the decisions you made in the past. Yep. All right. Let's, uh, let's pop into wrap ups. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're very we're very split on this, so I, I don't think it, you want to go first. You want me to go? Yeah, we're not I'll, split. I'll we're pretty similar. I meant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were being. I thought no, you were I was. being. Um, <laughs> yeah. Here's here's how this works for for readers. So we we use a spreadsheet where we track our scoring, and that's where the synopsis and character descriptions and everything goes. And and I know we've talked about it here, but there's eight categories we score it on from one to ten, and then we get an average. 
the way this works is Rob is always uh, putting together the spreadsheet and my score is above his. So if I scroll carefully down the screen, I can always do my scores without seeing his. Um, so when we get like really close in numbers, I know that it's independent of it's not like I looked at his and thought, oh, well, yeah, he's probably right that the tone was a seven. You know what I mean? Like I, I can just go in and do my own scores. Um, this is one of the ones I think one of the closest ones we've we've uh, we've hit. Um, I gave this the highest points in its narrative um, and narrative by our uh, description is uh, reflecting on the choice of perspective and tense and it impact on the reader's understanding of the book. Um, as I said, one of the things that I liked the most was um, Nora's trying to figure out her life, which I, I feel plays into a little bit of like tense and, and perspective is probably the best place I could find to put that. And I did give it an eight um, for that. My low score was a five and that was for um, pace and, and not that it was too fast or that it was too slow. It's that I felt the pace was really all over the place. Um, as a matter of fact, I thought I read the final chapter of this book three different times. Well, two different times. And the third time it was the final chapter of the book. Um, but the, the, the way we got to that, like sped up really crazy quick and then had like this slow petering out ending. Um, so I gave that a five. Everything else was in the sixes and sevens, uh, mostly sixes. Uh, and that gave me a final score of 6.38. I did not uh, differ much from Livius on this at all. I was looking at our scores, and we scored everything practically identically, except for I went a couple higher on a, on a couple scores, and he went a couple higher on the other ones. Uh, I ended up at a six and a half. Here's what I have to say about this book. I think that at a surface level, if someone's just looking for kind of an inspirational uplifting positive message that's got like a, a little twist of magical realism to it. Um, but it explores like uh, our, our flaws and the things that we um, don't like about ourselves um, because so it's very relatable because everybody's got something they wish they did differently. Everybody's got something about themselves that they think is a flaw. Everybody has, the the thought that they've let people down um so it's very relatable in the fact that the the protagonist is embodying um our fears and inadequacies or 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 in uh insecurities um uh but the but the the message at the end kind of brings us around to like a hopeful thought of like hey maybe we don't have to have those types of thoughts um so i get what the author was trying to do I agree with Livius. The lowest score I gave was for pace for the exact same fucking reasons. There's like some lives we spend like multiple chapters reading about that she experiences. And the other ones were like Livia said, there's like 30 of them in one chapter that are basically like bullet pointed. Um, so there's a bit of like a, a dilation of time that happens uh, from experiencing one thing over another. It also gets pretty repetitious because, um, once you've seen like her go to like two or three different lives, you know what it, you know, you know, the mechanics of it. So, um, it's, it's not introducing new information other than the, the subtle nuances of the life that she chose to experience. So that was something that I didn't really care for, uh, overall. Um, I didn't really have a part of the book that I thought was like a standout, like good thing. Like Livia said, 
narrative for him was a high score. Everything for me was sevens and sixes, except for pace being a five. Um, uh, what I will say is I know what the author was getting at. Um, it, it's just not, I, I do have I, I, maybe some philosophical um, disagreements and he definitely used the multiple universes structure idea just as a, um, like a foundation for exploring a thought. So anybody who wants to get into this for the science side of it, don't, you will, you will be disappointed. Um, so overall, it's not a bad book. It's um, it's fine. I know what it's trying to do, and I know that there's a lot of people out there who will just enjoy it from a like I said before, a paint by numbers type of type of situation. But Livia said this briefly before, and I absolutely agree. There was a lot of potential to take this in some very interesting directions, and the author just didn't seem like they were interested in doing that. Um, they wanted to, to the, they had a specific message in mind, and they chose to stick to that. And because of that, um, I think that we were deprived of, you know, possibly some really interesting scenarios or or at least uh, a little deeper or more challenging um, kind of outcome. So, like I said before, six and a half from me combined with Livius's score averaged out. We have a six point four three seven five overall score for this book, which because this is the final book we were reviewing for 2020, we know is one of the lowest scores we've given overall so not the best book of 2020 uh yeah we are at odds with that good reads i, I didn't i didn't do the math <laughs> but i think that's what that means so hey I, I had a couple other things to touch on that, that are outside the story we're beyond the review but um the kindle copy when you um get to the end past the last chapter or whatever has a promo image of a book by him called how to stop time and his memoir mm. was called Reasons to Stay Alive. And I feel like he may have like a like a certain very specific narrow genre that he plays in just based on these two book titles and then reading this other book. That, yeah, when I saw that in the synopsis, the one that was uh, Reasons to Stay Alive, I was like, is this, uh, this is like a very personal exploration probably for him, which may be explanation for more of the, the narrow focus that we didn't really care for. Yeah, and and again, there there's uh, look the guy's a, a best selling author, so obviously there's a market for it. You know? Yeah, he didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I really thought, and it's it's funny you said paint by numbers because at one point I thought this is this is a beach read, which is exactly typically what that is, right? right. Like a kind of yep. a kind of low investment, um, you know, uh, on your your time and, and your effort to to read a book. And and again, I, I'm all for that sometimes, just not this one. Hey. I'm curious, um, and you said that you know he, he kind of uses the the multiple universes thing as as just uh, like a plot device. But um, I, do you do you believe that? Do you believe that decisions you make that there is a, a physical embodiment of the other decision or other decisions that you could have made? Um, uh, so I believe in the potential for that to be true. Um, there's enough scientific, like. Um, like potential, like as far as like as as far as science has been able to like hypothesize, um, there are like there are arguments in in the favor of that that are rooted in like reality. Um, I don't believe in it as much as like uh, even though it's not proven, I think it's real. So 
Um, I think it's a valid thought to have, but I don't think it's an actual thing that's, I don't, I don't think there's enough to tell us, Hey, that's an actual thing that's happening. Okay. I was curious. I mean, I, and again, I have not looked at all of the research around this and I know that some of it's done with molecules and stuff. And I can kind of, I can't buy that there's Olivia's that opted not to do the podcast. Like there's a physical embodiment of a universe that somebody could go into. That's, you know what I mean? Right. So I, I can see from a science standpoint, cause they're doing it with whatever, like fucking neurons and atoms and shit. Right. And then, you know, we have the, um, what was that? We talked at length at one point about the, um, What's it called? The observation principle yeah. where something's being observed. It acts differently. Yep. I don't know how much that translates over. I was just curious on what your take on, you know, the, the way it goes down in this book, minus a, a library or whatever. So. Um, I, like, well, if you want my like my thought right now is like it is it is a potential possibility that doesn't have the supporting evidence um but it is absolutely an amazing um theory to explore and obviously we've even talked about um dark matter we reviewed by Dick Blake Crouch Blake mm-hmm. Blake Crouch who uh th- that's the whole kind of like the focal point of how the the book works is is using a multiple universes kind of idea so um it is it is a fertile ground for um storytelling absolutely well and that's okay and i get that they're two totally different types of book but that that's one that actually did really really interesting things with the idea though yes yeah absolutely i, mean, I don't want to i don't <laughs> want to put spoilers in this episode for that but man there's still some scenes from that that i think are just fucking brilliant it's the it's the gun it's the the sporting goods short store right yep yeah absolutely that is like absolutely yeah and that's the thing we read that book uh at the beginning of was it this year or last year i think it was last year last year um it was misty misty chose it for us to read Mm -hmm. and um there are books that like like either we'll forget altogether that we read that book for the podcast which is it it sounds horrible but i reminded livius of a book we read and he's like what are you talking about uh there are other books that either the whole book or or chunks from the book are unforgettable like if I said, "Hey, what's the main character from Strangers in the Proportions?" Name I know Livius is gonna be able to summon that information. Um, but yeah, like that scene from Dark Matter where he goes into the the store. Uh, yeah, without I don't want to spoil anything, but like that's something <laughs> that was so good that it became an example of my in my mind of that's how you do it. So yeah. Yeah. And again, very, very different type of book. So I didn't expect, you know, that kind of thing from, from this, but anyway, right. (laughs) Dude, I think, and I know we're going to do a year in review, but I do think that, uh, now would be a good time to remind the listeners of all we've done this year very quickly. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we'll, we'll do our year in review where we go into, um, a little bit of detail, but one of the, one of the facts that I thought was good about this year, actually, that was a standout fact of this year, um, is that we have conducted with Les Edgerton, uh, being the, the most recent one, 14 author interviews this year, which is easily double 
any of the other years, like uh, except for maybe the first one where we did the Warmed and Bound like series of interviews. This is our most interview heavy year. Um, I, I think of the podcast besides the first. Yeah, and that we did, you know, the same amount of interviews, but in like two weeks. So yeah, and <laughs> yeah. we decided, yeah, that we're probably never going to do that again. Yeah, that was, oh my God, that was so, that was, yeah, and I was, mo- anyway, yeah, that was a big, um, big thing. We were actually like uh, in, in in this month kind of worried that we weren't going to hit our reading goal of 10,000 pages a year, um, which is, you know, depending, which is, it's a good metric because you could read, if your goal was 52 books, you read a bunch of Hardy Boys books and you're done like in February, um, so 10,000 pages is a more realistic number of pages. It's more, it's a, it's an equalizer. Um, it's an easier, it's a, it's a more honest kind of metric to shoot for. Yeah. And I mean, outside of that, we each read books off the podcast, like for our own personal, like not on here too. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm very happy with the results of this year. And just a reminder to you guys, that's how we spent our year doing this stuff. So you guys have something to listen to every now and then. Yeah, and for the nerds that just need to know, 34 books. So Midnight Library is our 34th book. Um, The total number of pages is 10,121. And then I read five other books outside of the podcast. So 39 books, 11,230 is my personal total. So I feel like that is not shabby considering on top of that, um, I have a full-time job. And then I also record and edit and do like, you know, all of the other stuff for the podcast. So I feel like that's a, that's a respectable number. Oh, for sure. I'm sure. Listen, that puts you in the top 1% of people, <laughs> which is where I, I guarantee belong. it. Yeah. I, I what, guarantee you, you, you read a handful outside of what did you read I did, outside the I, podcast? I didn't keep, I didn't keep track. It was two or three books. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't five. I'm pretty sure, but yeah, I, I yeah I didn't I didn't keep track. Gotcha. Um, I stopped keeping track of the books I read when I started doing this podcast. I used to I used to have a little notebook. I would write down what I read. Um, at one point, I think because of you, I started writing down what the page counts were. Like I didn't mm. always do that. I would just put yeah. the date I finished the book and then the the book title and author. Yep. Um, they do have. I've considered um, getting. Have you ever seen a book journal? Um, I'm, I'm aware of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, essentially it's a, it's a Moleskine type journal. Um, and then it has a place for all the pertinent information from the book and then, um, a place to like write your notes on the book and then give it like a little, a little rating. Um, I've considered buying one of those and, and, and using it for, you know, but I mean, I guess I could just go back and listen to the thousands of hours of audio and it'll tell me what 90% of my books I've read since we've been doing this <laughs> podcast, what I thought about them. Oh my God! You want to know how many hours that is? I mean, we should save some for next week. But if you uh, have it handy, five hundred thirty and thirty-three minutes. There you go. So, good lord. Uh, Jesus, it was a good year. I feel like we. Oh man, uh, let's save something for the year in review. I don't want to get too yep. nostalgic about stuff, but uh, we done good. Um, yeah, for sure. What other what other stuffs going on, sir? What's up with you? Did you have a good Christmas? Um, I did, and you? Christmas was uh, in a COVID world. I think I did pretty damn well. 
Good. I'm very glad to hear that, as I'm sure our listeners are. Hopefully, everybody out there had a had a good uh, a good holiday season. We'll call it done at this point, right? All I can tell you is, I've been watching these. Uh, oh, here come the jokes. I've been watching these live cams online. Um, what right. the fuck are they setting up in Times Square? It looks like they're setting up stages for a New Year's party in Times Square. Yeah, that's uh, great. I, <laughs> <sighs> seems a little seems a little weird to me. I figured because I usually turn that on on New Year's Eve, you know, before I go back to watching like a Twilight Zone marathon. Yeah. And uh, I thought this year, oh man, if I turn that on, it's going to be a bunch of people like fucking singing on Zoom. Which, by the way, I, I don't know. I, I I have yet to see anything that's conducted via Zoom that I would consider entertainment, like like at all. I, I've watched like interviews, right. but you see these things where celebrities are, are singing, or there's comedians that are trying to do like Zoom comedy concert things yeah it, it's brutal but uh no this uh this earth cam thing where you can go and um you know my favorite one is bourbon street in new orleans you know i'll put that on see what's going on and you know, we'll flip through some of them the fucking Times square one dude they are setting up what legitimately look like stages for for musicians uh yeah I don't even understand. Like, I I try to keep up with what is and isn't allowed and shit like that. But like, mm-hmm. um, so I I know that sporting sporting goods or sporting goods sporting events started out being like they were like little cutouts of people in stadiums. Oh, um, yeah. I, I don't know if they're back to they can't be back to having like live audiences, can they? I don't I don't believe they are. It's funny you said that because I was going to correct you and say sporting goods are when you go buy like sporting <laughs> yeah. stuff and sporting bads are when you use them. That's uh, oh, that was good. That was really good, uh, especially when I use them. Is that what you meant? I just meant in general, yeah. you know, oh. feelings <laughs> in sports. I'm not I'm not a big sports guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, that and then there's all right. I'll throw it out there. There is a bear in Transylvania <laughs> that I've watched probably. I don't know, collectively about two hours of some some crafty Romanian dude. It's and it's it's available on YouTube. If you Google Romanian bear, just just sort by live. Um it has if by Google I mean if you go to YouTube and search. Um this guy has set up some kind of drum. And I imagine the drum, I'm not sure what's in it, but it's gotta be like chicken feed or salt <laughs> pellets or something. So this bear will come around. And like roll the barrel around to get this stuff to fall out of it so he can eat it. And he's got a webcam on it. And he takes donations. And this guy is making some money from doing this. So uh but yeah, that's 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 my that's that's our other favorite one to watch is the the Romanian bear cam. Which again sounds like it could be something a lot different than what it is. But uh <laughs> An that could be bear. an entirely like different black, direction, yeah. Like a black bear. Well, I think that's a black bear. I don't know anything about bears. Uh, the th- the, so it's fun. Your mind went to a like an entertaining place. My mind went to we've spent nine and a half years tirelessly reading and talking about books for essentially no money. Uh, this guy's like, I've got a barrel and a camera. <laughs> I'm gonna rake yeah. in the money. So we yeah. might want to reconsider uh, <laughs> how, like, our loyalty to the craft versus, like, like, are we doing, uh, yeah. like, are, like yeah. we could just find a bear and then, you know, get a camera and we're done. 
Dude, I, I got to tell you, there is a absolute market for this kind of weird stuff. The other thing I've been doing um, a, a little bit of it, this this past month, quite a bit, but I've been looking at um, like walking tours on YouTube. So I've been watching some of the Paris Christmas ones because the Champs-Élysées mm-hmm. is all lit up and whatever. Right. And I, I somebody I, I don't even follow like the same person. They just keep coming up in my feed and I keep clicking on them. I was like, this video has been up for like 14 hours. It's got like 30,000 views already. And it's literally someone with a GoPro strapped to their chest walking down the fucking street. Like not even talking. Nope. Nope. There's no talking. There's no music. There's, I mean, there's whatever ambient sounds there are, you know, which is other people talking and yeah, and cars and stuff. And and of course (laughs) they're, they're, they're done in places that are desirable to look like. I'll give you an example. I don't think you'll make any money if you leave your apartment right now and go walk down, you know, route route uh, 12. <laughs> you know, I don't. But so it's always like they're like Venice or Rome or, you know, uh, the, someone walking along the um, Vienna, whatever that that the, the you know, where they got the, the little boat guys. In right, the, right. Yeah. You know, I mean, like that kind of stuff. And they're raking in thousands and thousands of views because they went for a walk. There doesn't appear to be any editing. You know, what I mean, like right. it's it's like someone sits down and, and reviews the product. Right. So they acquire the product and there's a bunch of cuts and there's other clips, you know, B-roll spliced in. Nope. This guy's like, I'm strapping this camera to my chest and walking downtown in uh, whatever city or, you know, right. and uh, I'm going to upload this to YouTube and I'm going to make like three grand this month from doing it. Shit, man. So mm-hmm. what I'm hearing is you're like uh, you're you're your current thing is watching live cams or cams of things. Um, yeah, a little bit. Okay. I I don't spend hours doing it, but yeah, that's yeah, essentially. So I want you to know, um, in the last few days, I, I randomly for no good reason, uh, fell into, I'm going to watch a bunch of docu series about cults. So there's a, four hour like four episode um thing on hbo max about the heaven's gate cult okay um which i watched do you remember do you remember that i do you're a little younger than i'm okay that's the thing because it happened in 1997 Mm -hmm. uh the actual suicide um so yeah that was something that i was i was i was the year after i graduated high school so i absolutely remember that um so I watched that series and it was very interesting. Um, and the thing is, everybody's like, oh, I would never get duped into going into a cult. And yeah, we all could. Um, <laughs> the one that I'm in the middle of watching right now is there's like a six part series on Netflix about the Waco situation, which um, also happened around the same time. And, and um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, something that I I was there for when it all went down not there in texas but like there mm-hmm. i was alive and i was watching the news and stuff for which is pretty crazy yeah those two slightly different results but yeah. uh, that's, uh <laughs> yeah yeah that's kind of interesting i know there's one i don't remember what it's called but there's one that's a much more recent one that i've heard someone talking about probably like a year ago oh that oh, next year like sex cult thing that's yes that that's the one yeah i was yeah. gonna say it's a sex cult i was trying to think of what the name was but yeah nexium um, that I understand is pretty good. I have not watched it. But since you were talking about Apple TV, I watched um, yesterday in its entirety. <laughs> I think it was yesterday. Um, uh, d- 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 
crap. Um, the Morning Show. Oh, uh, with Which, Steve Carell. Yep, with Steve Carell and yeah. Jennifer Aniston and uh, the, the other girl that's always played the, from <laughs> Legally Blonde. I can't think of what her name is. Oh, um, Witherspoon. Yes. Reese? Was she in that? Yeah, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. 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 Um, I watched that. Not bad. It's a uh, it is a look at a like Good Morning America type show um, that that comes up against a uh, like a like a Me Too moment. Yeah, I think it was inspired by uh, that MTV guy, right? Like Kurt Loder or whatever. Not Kurt. Loder. Oh, I have What's no idea who was inspired by. Uh, I think that at least was um, that's not the guy. I'm Matt about. Matt Lauer is the guy I think you're talking about. Matt Lauer, yeah, absolutely. But, but yeah, he's he wasn't he wasn't from MTV. What is he? He was from something. I, I think it was. I think it was. Um, I think I feel like it was an NBC Inside Today Edition. show. I looked it up. Yep, Today Show, which okay. is uh, I believe an NBC. Anyway, something. yeah, I, but yes, I could see where it was that. I was like, oh, MTV, really? And you threw Matt Lauer right under, <laughs> or uh, what's his name, um, Kurt Loder, right under a bus. That guy is yeah, awesome. Kurt Loder. Please, yeah. everybody, just disregard the fact that I accidentally out like. Uh, pointed a finger at that dude that guy was cool um but yeah i believe from what i heard it was um uh at least carell's character because i haven't seen it but i think carell's mm-hmm. character was kind of modeled after that or at least inspired by that i i could i could see that i mean what little i know of that story that that makes sense and especially because he was on a morning you know like right. i said i said good morning america type show but yeah the today show was very similar to that yep. yeah um, so good. I did watch that, and I actually I actually thought that was that was really well written. So. I have been hearing everybody talk about uh, on Apple TV the um, it's like a it's a show called Ted Lasso. It's about like a guy who's a coach or something like that. It's supposed to be really good. Um, I will be watching that at some point. I just have not gotten around to it yet, yet. So if anybody's listening who's recommended that to me, just cool your fucking jets, man. I got a lot of stuff going on. There's uh there's three seasons of that shit already. Jesus. Uh, um, I got some cults to uh, watch, so just yeah. it's gonna wait. The other thing I watch, which I'm probably not gonna recommend, um, is Industry, which is on HBO Max. Um, which is one of their originals, and it is about uh, I think it's five um, uh, college graduates who are trying to uh, like they all land like a basically like a temporary role to prove themselves at like one of the biggest financial institutes it's a, it's a fake place but it's in in london yeah. um and it's just a bunch of like really cutthroat you know nasty people no it doesn't that, that work in the in the trading industry yeah i mean i it was it would look i watched the whole thing i didn't turn it off but ultimately i don't know that I don't know who I would recommend it to. Maybe there's somebody. If some topic comes up, I might go, "Hey, this this seems like it might be up your alley." But yeah, not not really anything. I uh, nothing there for me. I guess is what I should say. Well, we're we're at an interesting point because it's the end of the year, so this is our last episode of 2020. Um, but we do have me and Livius have to look through a, a kind of a roster of potential stuff we'll be reading in the coming months. And we'll have more to talk about in the future about that. But um, as far as what's coming next, uh, traditionally around this time of year, we do a year in review. So I believe that's what's going to be happening. It's the ne- next episode you're going to find after this one. Yep. 
So uh, uh, until then, please have a happy and safe um, new year. And uh, we'll, we'll be back with you in, uh, in 2021, probably about a week from now. <laughs> All right. Uh, until then, I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Keep reading.